Welcome to Systematic Episode 6 on the 5x5 Network. Bandwidth for August is sponsored by Audiobooks app. Listen to thousands of classic audiobooks free on your iPhone or iPad. Get it at audiobooksapp.com or search for audiobooks in the App Store. I'm your host, Brett Terpstra, and since it's not really a podcast until you've had someone like Merlin Mann on your show, I thought I'd ask Merlin Mann to be on the show. Merlin Mann said sure, so today we're talking with Merlin Mann. Hello, Merlin Mann. Hi, Brad. It's, it's, I, I'm guessing it must be kind of like the Canadian uh, content requirement, you know, where you have to have uh, a, a lot of, no, no disrespect to Canada, but you have to have a certain amount of Canadian content on, on the air for broadcast, and I suspect that you eventually, uh, on the singularity maybe, <laughs> you eventually have to have me on your podcast in America. I, it's an I, honor to be here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a fan. I'm a nearly obsessed fan. I, I'm your biggest fan. Well, thank you. You're Let's welcome. talk about you for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a, you're a big internet personality these days. Uh, you have a few <laughs> Twitter followers, whatnot. Um, a long time ago, though, you were a coder. Like you, you made a living writing code. Um, these days, you're you're still very technical, technical and tech, technically adept. But uh, what what moved you away from your your coding day job? Yeah, I, I don't. I was a coder like Elvis Presley and Kid Galahad was a boxer. I mean, I was. <laughs> I I, uh, I I picked up. It's so funny. My my um, airsats career in, in, in this junk. I've always picked up just enough to stay slightly on the side of not being a complete fraud, uh, but but mostly a fraud. I mean, it's it's. Uh, the, the coding that I did, uh, the closest thing I did to anything like development for real was in um, Cold Fusion. But, I mean, the truth, the truth is, as far as why I stopped doing that, um, I mean, you're, you're talking mostly like, what, like mid-'90s, 43 folders era? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I didn't really have a job. I, I had really um, uneven employment, I guess I would say. I was doing mostly freelance stuff. I got laid off from what started as a dot-com job in 2001, and uh, had real spotty luck picking up anything because, partly because I really wasn't that skilled. I really wasn't that talented. I there's that old joke that they say about people: somebody who is um, born on third and thinks thinks they hit a triple, and and that's that's how I felt sometimes was that I had really been in the right place at the right time when um, the graphical web caught on and HTML became a thing, uh, and I you know I whacked my way through it, but. Like everything I've ever done, this, the stuff that I actually ended up learning at every stage of my life became useful in the future, but it was almost useless for the stuff I was doing at the time. And, and I've gotten really okay with that, right? So, I mean, like, I was in college, like, learning literature, but I was also picking up things like PageMaker. When I finally got a job based on my farcical skills with PageMaker, I was picking up stuff related to the web. When I started doing stuff related to the web, you see where this is going. And so, I mean, the truth is, 43 folders, I... I I don't want to be as glib as to say I had time to kill, but even with the minimal amount of real work I had, I became more and more aware of the friction that I did feel. And um, at the time, I would have stated it as feeling unproductive or feeling distracted or feeling all these things. Today, in the back-to-work era, I, I would say it's also just that I, I never had a great relationship with companies that I worked with. I've always felt like I didn't fit in. And I'm starting to realize more and more how many of my problems were also not social problems, but people problems, right? So whereas I used to think email was the problem, today I absolutely realize people is the real email problem. So that's how I started it. I mean, it was something I really cared about and had a lot to say about. 
And, uh, and I had the time. My wife, you know, was working and had the insurance. And I was just mostly doing freelance stuff here and there. And I haven't really had a real job since. I'm still unemployed and confused, which is suited for what I do. So you, back to work kind of defines your, your media outlets these days then? I think, yeah. I mean, as far as the stuff that's not about poop and boners, it's absolutely like the it's, – it's the show I should have been doing five years ago that I, that I finally am doing, and I love it, to be honest. And, I mean, you, you have KungFuGrip.com, oh, where boy. that is your poop and boners, I believe. That's one of my poop and boners I have. I, have, uh, I, have, I would say You Look Nice Today is a podcast I do that is, that is more in the wheelhouse of, of, of maybe poop. Roderick on the Lines maybe a little more leaning toward the boner. But um, not poop and boners. That's a, you know that's a through line for me. You know it's uh, it's really the blood that courses through the veins of the b- boner. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> now okay. I, it's easy to start stuff on the web. You know that's the thing. This is people like you that actually, uh, part of my saying, go through to completion. That that are are the real interesting people. I abandon things all the time. It's it's one of my core competencies. Well, I do too. And and I think accepting that, as you said before, uh, just learning to be comfortable with. Your, uh, I guess, what you personally would consider to be uh, defects, (laughs) but once you accept them and even maybe uh, emphasize what you're good at, or leverage, despite right, yeah, leverage, yeah, exactly. I think that's important. Would it be too inside baseball to mention uh, those three, three, depending on your background, your the three or the four letters? (laughs) We both have a, you know. A, yeah, a, a I controversial. Don't H- we, we both have a controversial, controversial condition. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, we've talked about this. Um, we not only both have ADHD, but we, as of what uh, January, we're taking precisely the same medication for it. Which, which is, I have a somewhat unusual combination, and I think you do too. Uh, I am very reluctant to ascribe much of anything to ADHD because I think, you know, I've had good days and bad days with all kinds of different things, but. I think, I think when you're somebody who has that dopamine deficiency, there are very weird things that are going to happen. In the same way that, and, and forgive me, this is so unclinical, but people who are bipolar, um, you know, my my shrink has described this as having almost like a box full of jelly, and if you don't medicate it right, that jelly can all kind of scoot to one end or the other. Very hard to treat. Um, boy, that's a so much a more difficult condition than having ADHD. But you, I have to guess you've had days where you got maybe too much done. And and then a month where you maybe didn't get so much done. It usually goes in about two week cycles for me, but absolutely. You know that phenomenon though, where I mean, like last night I've been working on these screencasts that we're doing for a back to work thing, uh, and I um, I've been putting it off for weeks. It's driving me crazy. Our, our sponsor hasn't said a word about it. He's been a gentleman about it. But last night I was up till two uh, thirty uh, Pacific working on this, and I, uh, I I I got them out. It was it was I got a couple of them out. I got more to do. But it, it's the same problem I've had since I was a kid, not doing my paper on Henry Huggins until the morning it was due. I don't know why I do that. But then once I start doing it, does this sound familiar? It's, incredib- oh, it's incredibly sticky, and I could do it all night, and I get better and better and better at it. But the first step, as the Taoists say, you know, the, the, the journey of 10,000 miles begins with the first step. That first half step seems completely out of reach for hours and days at a time. And I don't know why. And I always crave the, as they say, executive function to, to take that energy and squeeze it into a Cyclops-like beam and have 100% control over where I direct it. And uh, 
that I was, uh, this is actually somewhat related <laughs> to what you were saying because I have ADD. Everything's uh, a threat. The, the, the picking up and abandoning. I, I used to be much more susceptible to running after shiny things. I absolutely think I am not that way so much anymore. But I also am, I think, getting a tighter clutch for saying this thing. I might be done with this. Well, I find that I, uh, I, I'm very, you know, distracted by shiny things. But I'm getting better at saving those for what I consider free time. And things like NVLT are that is my free time because mm-hmm. you know I'll I'll get these ideas and I'll just jot them down and when I have that moment to really sit back and say what do I want to do now that's when I I just pull up those shiny things and just go for it um but definitely a skill that I've improved on in recent years it sounds like you have well I mean <laughs> I'm avoiding going directly into the huge amount of nerdery that we should be discussing uh in this particular our Venn diagrams are heavily overlapping so I have to imagine that you use your um eating a lot of your own dog food I guess you've got a system in place with the pro- with the stuff that you've made tell me if this is correct that that gives you the infrastructure or scaffolding to park stuff for now come back to it pick it up you you know where things go is that fair to say? That's, yeah, definitely. And that helps. Does that help the process? To Absolutely. I guess that's a leading question. But uh, that's something that was a huge benefit for me with getting started with getting things done and so forth was I no longer had that sense of um, – I, I less often had that sense of if I don't do this all the way through right now, it will never get done. Right, and when I'm on top of that stuff, I know where stuff goes. When I'm doing reviews, I know that stuff is alive or should be dead. Does that help you a lot? I mean, ADD or otherwise? If, are you? Do you have a place where you go and park shiny new thing? Yeah. Well, I'm, see, I keep OmniFocus is what I use for things that are, and I, I, there's not a hard line here, but but mm-hmm. things that are mostly day job related or errands that need to be run, things like that. And then NVLT becomes my kind of bucket for a project ideas, basically. And I keep those out of OmniFocus so that when I sit down and look at the things I need to do, mm-hmm. I, it's not filled with, oh, here's a cool idea you could add to Marked or whatever. It's so tempting with something, um, I guess you could start with something like OmniFocus, but it equally goes for stuff like NVLT. You've made NVLT so easy to get to. Um, there's so many things like, you know, the, I use the, um, actually I uninstalled it cause it was interfering with a, a key that I use, but you've got the NVL extension. I mean, what do I always use? Uh, control option, command N to, is that the one, whatever it is to create a new note from a selection. Um, but whatever it is you use as a capture system, I, I, what one uses, I, I think it can be easy to overcapture in the wrong place. And that's, I, I'm with you. I mean, for me, OmniFocus, when I'm at the point where I'm just sending articles to read to OmniFocus, um, I, I know I'm I'm getting a little bit off of what it's for. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, definitely. If you've ever been in the house of somebody who's a hoarder, you could go over there and clean off that dining room table, and it, it could stay completely spotless for a day. The first time that two objects are stacked on that dining room table, I can almost promise you it's over. Once two items are on that table, especially that don't need to be there, it accumulates kipple, and that, then that's no longer a dining room table. 
Um, it's, it's true for lots of things in our life and in our home. I think our home is where we feel it most acutely. If you've got bags full of blue stuff that might be food in Ziploc bags in, in, the, in the fridge, you're going to be really reluctant to opening your refrigerator, let alone cooking leftovers. And, and that's something I have in the past suffered from with any task management app is I get overambitious about things I may or may not have said yes to, either with myself or others. And I end up putting way more stuff in there than I will ever intend to do. And then that becomes bags of blue food. I, I don't know. I, I go dead to it. So I try to always focus on saying OmniFocus, regardless of what arena, what area of responsibility, as David Allen would say. Uh, David Allen, uh, by the way, getting things done. It's a copyright of David Co. 2001. I, I'll go dead to that, right? And that's why I try to say to myself mentally, okay, if this goes in here, is this, as David Allen says, a contract with myself, right? Um, and, and more saliently for the way I work, is this something that I will do something about or need to look at it, do, do something about in the next two weeks to a month? So that's kind of my thing. So if I go in there and I'm seeing a bunch of projects that are five years old and on hold, something's wrong. I'm sorry, I went off on a jag, but it's so funny. It's such a mixed blessing. It's so you know, like so many people love Evernote, some people love Field Notes notebooks, some people love M- MV Alt. Uh, you know what? Lotus Agenda was that was that one that everybody used to be into? Uh, was it Lotus? Y- yeah, Agenda. Agenda is the one everybody laments. Wow, it's like, that's it's Microsoft like the, OneNote. That's another one. Yeah, precisely. But there these are these things, things I hear about but have never used. And you could you could as some people have called these things everything buckets. But well, regardless of what it is, you know. I always laugh. Uh, my, my friends at Omni Group are always having to face people who are like, oh, so I will not buy this app until it has tags. And it's like, <laughs> well, we deliberately made it so it kind of doesn't need tags. Like, if you need tags, this is probably not the app for you. But let me introduce you to my friend Merlin, who's here to tell you that if you're tagging your to-do list, like you have a bigger problem than software. It depends on how you're tagging it, I, I think, personally. I, I use tags, like I use task paper a lot. Mm-hmm. Great. And I use tags to fill in things like uh, priority, uh, basically flag, not flag, and then uh, completion percentage. And these are things that I don't necessarily need in OmniFocus uh, because I have very different ways of entering tasks when I'm in OmniFocus versus task paper. Hmm. But, um, but I find that a certain limited number of tags, especially because... Uh, task paper allows me to use uh, parenthetical uh, qu- uh, qualities on those tags. So I can say like completion parentheses 50. And then I can use the search query syntax to show me everything that has uh, 50 or greater uh, completion. But again, I'm off topic too. So. No, you're, you're precisely on topic as far as I'm concerned because cause I'll be that guy for a minute. Um, when it, what is when is an instance where you're deciding what to do next or in a given day based on percentage completion? And that's the difference between task paper and OmniFocus for me. Is uh, in OmniFocus? Oh, is I, it like is it kind of like RAM or it's like kind of like living memory? It's like this is what I'm working on right now, and this yeah, is this is this is what I don't want to lose track of. Yeah, today. that's very much it. Like sometimes, okay, okay. sometimes I'll sit down and I'll say I want to finish something I started. And I'll look for things that are mostly finished. Sometimes I'll say I need, you know, to start something from scratch, something new. And, and those will be the tasks I go to. And that's not how I organize my, my daily tasks. That's how I organize mm-hmm. my coding projects. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to toss a, a little bit, if you don't mind, I'll toss a little bit of a curveball. Um, I was saying a little bit ago about, like, for example, with these screencasts. You know, you've done screencasts. Or, for example, that wonderful video you made 
for the sneaky peek of marked. It's it's so much more work than it seems like. Even the unprofessional things that I end up making, it's so much more time consuming than you would ma- imagine. Partly because if you screw up, you probably have to start over. And if you're not, and, and if you don't take that approach, you're going to be doing a lot of editing. And I'd I prefer the former. You know what I mean? It's 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 it, it, once you. It seems so simple to sit down. Um, do, and do it. Go ahead. Do you edit? I'm sorry. You're probably going somewhere with this, but I I've okay, actually I wrote been it down. I wrote it down and come back to it. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I actually have been working on a book that consists almost entirely of screencasts. Ugh. Um, oh, so of course I, the the secret book. The secret book. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see that. It's soon, soon. Um, but but yeah, like it is. The hardest I thought it was going to be because they're all thirty. It's to 60 easy. Seconds. I use a computer all day. Why don't all I got to do is turn this dingus on? <laughs> I found though that it, if I don't start over, if I just stop, pause, and then move on, even if I'm starting the script over, I don't stop the recording, and I prefer ah. just going through and snipping. Like sometimes I'll use a marker, I'll slap the desk, and then I'll see the audio spike to know where I'm going to. Oh, that's brilliant to edit but um but yeah i find it easier to just not hit stop that's you know what that's i'm gonna do that today i'm gonna go back and 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 that's a terrific idea well here you know the funny thing is is you know marco our friend marco on build and analyze has talked about this and i i don't talk about a lot although i happen to agree you know the van hoots uh out there go oh so you made a facial error with a decimal point to the sixth and you know it's like i'm just talking here and i'm telling you the thing that's coming to my mind right now i may misspeak i i I may get things wrong you know and and i've had several friends um who aren't van hoots and by the way carl van hoot is just a character who's a neckbeard that i do but uh if if you're not familiar with that but the uh but i've had friends who say oh my god I've never been on or done a podcast before. I was just on one, and it was the most harrowing experience of my life. And I'm not going to be, you know, all, you know, I told you so because I never did. I never told them so. But it's, it's. I'm not saying it's hard to do a podcast. I'm not saying it's that hard to do a screencast. But the amazing thing is, imagine a meeting. Like nobody likes standing up to have to do a a presentation at a meeting. Imagine that you had rehearsed a meeting a million times. And then you had to get up there and get it right exactly once while people were throwing tennis balls at you. Um, and if you screw up once, you've you got to start over. And then you're going to be thinking about it. That's, <laughs> that's how I feel about this stuff. I'm very outgoing with these kinds of things. And I'm, the more I have to do retakes, the more animated it becomes, which ends up being better. But um, why am I saying this? I, I, it, I, I've done lots of screencasts. I'd say of all the things that I do often next to writing and recording music, it's one of those things that I like doing that is not super polished and great, but I still like doing them. I like doing screencasts. I've been told that they're they're amusing, but I've been told that they're not that professional, which I think is true. But it's a big ramp up. You know, I got to go get my, I got to go change my resolution. I got to go shut off my menu bar. I got to open up ScreenFlow. I got to make sure I got space. It sounds so silly, but it takes me 15 minutes to fully get into that, which is more than enough reason to never get started. In your case, I, I don't know how much nudging you need to jump back into your projects, but having that task paper thing takes some of that edge off. So I'm going to introduce this idea of, uh, and I'm, I'm getting this a little bit wrong, but what Alfred Hitchcock has called a MacGuffin which is whatever the F works for you to be a way into your work, use it, right? And in your case, having a distinction between task paper and OmniFocus only seems fiddly until we look at the body of work that you're able to produce because it does make a difference. 
So one of mine is I hit launch bar and I type TD, the abbreviation that I have assigned to a file called today. And all it is is a stupid little .md text file that opens up. I had a bunch of carriage returns at the top, put a Unix date, and start typing. I could do that with index cards. I could, I, could, I could just sit down and do my work like a gentleman. But just that stupid MacGuffin of opening that thing up and writing down all this stuff I think or thought I was going to do today, I won't be more than five to nine lines in before I can just save it, close it, and go get started on something. It's, it's really – it's almost like a warm-up in some ways that I've come to accept. I, I'm getting better at learning what the warm-up is to do stuff. I'm not perfect at it. But I, I don't know if that resonates with you, but it seems like a lot of your – a lot of what you do, the things you produce, especially things like NVL, NVL becomes a place that's an incredibly lightweight way to ha- capture little bits of text, um, obviously based on the notational velocity predecessor. But then if you want, it can also be a text editor. That like it could be a code editor. You open that up in marked. So you one thing I love about what you do is you provide numerous inroads for capturing and having a confident system for stuff that's been on your mind. But then I also like that you have a super polished way of turning that into a thing without having to go anyplace else unless you choose to. Boy, that was long. That was <sighs> I like Shit, options. I'm sorry. And, Cut and that I out, marker. That, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you just said, I, like when I create things, I like to create them so that you have options for, for getting things in, getting things out, where you take them, what you do with them. Because the way I work is very, uh, you could call it scattered if you're looking at it from the outside. I use different tools for different things. Uh, OmniFocus, TaskPaper, as an example. Um, and I like to have a system that lets me use all my different tools, but still keep things together. And Spotlight is a, kind of the glue with a lot of my file organization stuff. But um, Markdown, things like that, bring all of my different systems into places where I can uh, combine them all at once. And Apple scripting and things like that. If you have the capability to build your own system like that I, and and the personality that I have, it only makes sense to me. Right. But I think for a lot of people, it's easier to simplify and and make the best of a single tool than trying to build a super tool. But I build super tools for but people who have that fiddly nature. But if, if um, you know that phrase, life hacks has has gotten so abused over the years. But if you go back and and uh, in my case, I've never actually seen it, but I've read Danny O'Brien's original life hacks talk. W- one of the things that gets left out a lot are these what when he said life hacks as in computer, like programming hacks, he's talking about people who are scratching an itch with something that may be quite inelegant, but that fixes the problem. And, and it strikes me that you are somebody who is um, very cognizant of friction popping up. You've got a place to capture that that friction exists somewhere, and then you find a solution, you fix it, and you release it. So I, I think you are what you are doing is heavily in the spirit of the original non-adulterated, non uh, you know, dish soap soaking version of life hacks, which is that it takes a certain amount of cognizance of where there's an opportunity for improvement. And then there's a balance to be struck between spending all day trying to improve that uh, versus just living with something that doesn't work. Well, thank you. And speaking of life hacks and ADD, (laughs) uh, I have a guest lined up. And if you haven't read his stuff, uh, Michael Schechter, uh, he he blogs at uh, a fine mess, or be- a better mess, and uh, and at lifehack.org, and he he is inspirational to me, especially when it comes to dealing with uh, attention deficit disorder 
and uh, and things like that. So I'll put his link in the show notes, and and we'll be talking to him soon. Um, random aside, mm-hmm. have you ever owned a snake? Uh, owned a snake? Yeah. No, I've rented. You a snake? A snake? Mm. You rent a snake? I've never owned a snake, Brett. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you were talking about blue bags of what might be food in the refrigerator, and. When I and my roommate had a six-foot boa constrictor in our dorm room, our little dorm freezer was always half food and half frozen rats. <laughs> so this idea of, of even like opening a random bag became like a nauseating idea to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got some, so I some stories about that. There was a girl at school. You know, we had, we had a very small college, a small enough college that it wasn't so small that you could know who Amy was, but it was a small enough college that you could know who Snake Amy was. <laughs> and, and Snake Amy had a snake. Snake Amy had a big snake. And, um, and she would keep, I guess it was... Now, snakes, snakes like it to be live, right? They prefer... Yes, they do prefer it live. Yeah. There's a story, probably apocryphal, about her warming up uh, a rat for her uh, snake and, and it reanimating. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> live can be dangerous, though. Like sure to to the snake. Oh, is that right? Because it might attack it or something. It, yeah, because of the way they eat their prey whole, mm. uh, there are some clawing issues that can come up. I I know very little. It it I didn't directly own the snake, and uh, when we owned a pet store, uh, reptiles were not my division. So anyway, you've 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 had such an interesting life that I think <laughs> I have to imagine people only know very little bits of. I was a plumber and a really... You were really a problem is what you were. <laughs> I was a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to take a break for our first sponsor. You okay with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's, uh, we, we're starting with Hover.com. And uh, Hover.com is your source for simplified domain management. If you've ever registered a domain, you've probably experienced a checkout process that wants to sell you services you're not interested in and include a bunch of annoying add-ons on your bill. When all you want is just a domain without any hassle, Hover makes it easy. Just enter the domain you're interested in into their search box, and Hover will tell you if it's available. If it's not, Hover will come up with some intelligent suggestions. You can also just type in a few keywords, and Hover will find you the best available domain using those terms. It's kind of like uh, Skynet if it were run by unicorns. Their, their number is right on the front page of their website, and real humans will answer when you call with a no-hold policy. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and give them a ring. Seamless transfers from other providers, elegant DNS management, email hosting, and more. Systematic listeners get 10% off of anything they buy with the coupon code DANSENTME or visit hover.com slash DANSENTME. I'm not Dan, but it'll work anyway, I promise. <laughs> um, I went a little bit off script there because the script says magical robot, and I... I've said that two weeks in a row, and I want to go with Skynet run by unicorns now. Uh, I, I think yours is better, especially for for your style of reading. I I, I don't want I don't want to corrupt your uh, I don't want to corrupt your uh, your, uh, your, uh, your 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 segment here, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm getting hooked up with the Hover guys to finally move all of my stuff over. No, let me put this differently. I will move all of my stuff to Hover. I think Dan's getting me a hookup. Dan, Dan being Dan Benjamin from here on the 5x5 network. Uh, he's getting me the hookup with one of these uh, hover guys. And uh, I'm, I'm doing the whole, whole nine. I'm moving them all. I, I, I have 14,216 domain names. <laughs> most, of recently, them, most of them are in Cyrillic, so I can't even read them. 
I recently did move quite a few of my domains over to Hover. Uh, I'm also using Namecheap. And I, I, I screwed. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Now I can't be told about how I, I. I Namecheap and Hover both came up again and again and again when I like a lot of people decided to move from a popular host, a popular registrar, registrant, registrant, registrator, popular registrator. We'll that. They they both have have gotten lots of uh, good notices from people. I I and I really just. I don't know why I picked Namecheap, but I did. And and they were great. They were awesome. But I totally screwed up because I had privacy on as many domains as I could on my old Registrantinator. And I forgot to turn that off. So I never – I couldn't get the emails that re- were required to move it over. Like they hadn't already made it hard enough um, <laughs> to change the way – not hover – the original Registrantination. I, uh, I, on top of it, was was – screwing the pooch all on my own. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to mess up your spot any worse That's than I have. But just fine. I hear nothing I did, but great stuff I, I about did. Hover. Just before they were ever a sponsor on 5x5, they just they seem like good people, and I'm really looking forward to working with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did make the same mistake on several occasions, and I have let some domains just go because of oh, me too. issues with privacy settings and whatnot. And email addresses. Once I let one domain go, and it had the email address that I needed to get some older domains, then I was yeah. That is so funny. You should say that. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not big on the um, on announcing a segue, but that actually gets to something we talked about talking about that I think is super interesting. So I have lots of domain names. At one point, I had well over I think well over hundred. I don't know how many I have now. But that exact thing happened to me, where I was like, you know what? I don't need Turbo Zen hacks anymore. I don't need bowel mover with no second e in it. I, I bought a, I bought I bought the do, I bought the domain bowelmover.com to link to exactly one page on Twitter or excuse me one page on Flickr as a joke. Okay, uh, you would not believe what I own. I, I, I it was asinine, and I would do that old school thing where I buy five versions: the .net, the .org, the .cz, or whatever. Like I would buy all of them. But you know, you're absolutely right. Once I let go of one. A couple, a few more. I got to where I was losing them because I wasn't even paying attention anymore. I suddenly flipped a switch, and I was so okay with no longer hoarding. I liked that dining room table uh, being tidy or being empty. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know if that interests you in talking about the saying no stuff. That's something I'm super interested in. But did you did you find that to be the case? I mean, you, you, decide, you discover you're not going to die because you didn't do this thing, and then suddenly you're almost addicted to not doing that thing. I can't remember who said it. I think it was Sean Blanc on Twitter, um, but he said that he basically keeps his to-do list in his domain registrations, and and that that you know that was probably a negative thing. Um, and and I <laughs> okay, agree. I get like it. getting rid of of domains that you registered on a whim with a project idea in mind uh, can be really freeing. It can uh, it's kind of it's kind of like a review and OmniFocus when you just kind of things that you know aren't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Just letting go of them. Absolutely. But I think there's a lot of sunk cost fallacy going on because you feel like, okay, I, I bought this domain name. I was lucky to get it or unlucky or drunk, and I got it. And then I renewed it because I was renewing, right? And, oh, this is about to expire. You got to come in and do this. And I, I just clicked the button and renew, accidentally renew them for a year or two years, but I, I renew all these domains. And you're, at this point, you're like, this is a classic sunk cost fallacy. You, you don't consider what the long-run value of something is. You consider it based on how much money you've already put into it, or soldiers, or what have you. Do you know what I mean? And, and like for me, that I've got to let go of that. I've got to let go of... Yeah. So, I mean, that's... 
yeah. Anyway, you talked about about knowing when to say no to things, and that's something that I'm struggling with right now because I know that it's something that when I do it right makes all the difference. Yeah, well, I think it's one of the best things you can do for your productivity is is learning when to say no. And I'm really bad at it. Um, I'm getting better in recent years, but I don't always uh, consider the ramifications of a commitment when I <laughs> when I say, "Yeah, sure, I can I can help you with that," or "I can I can do this." And uh, I've actually noticed in recent years that you're you're not bad at saying no. You 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 think things through. Or sometimes I'm not even sure you have you to tell? think about it. How can it. you tell that? What makes um, you say that? Well, because I know there have been a couple of projects, at least one project, that I've <gasps> said, hey, do you, want to, do you want to be a part of this? And yes. you very quickly were able to say, you know, I just I can't make that commitment. I, op- I opted out of the secret project. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was great. Like, I totally, mm. and especially at this point where it's become, you know, a, a difficult thing for me, I totally understand why you did that. And I, I know you've had ser- uh, similar... Uh, projects before that became death marches for you. Yeah, like the book that I was writing. Yeah. Yeah. So so what criteria would you use in a circumstance like that to determine whether or not you can make a commitment? Uh, that's a great question. I, and I, I think there's at least two aspects to this. You, you said something that sounded like my own voice, which is sometimes a true voice and sometimes an untrue voice. What was the phrase you used, that you have to learn how to... Learn, like, like people say things like learn how to say no. I think it's it's not hard to say no re- on the on the face of it. Um, it's I think the part of the problem is that yes or maybe is our default response for almost everything, which, which is good. Like if you work in an office, you don't want to be the guy who's always or gal who's always saying no to everything. That that you know what I mean. That's not fun to do. But if your default response, even if your default response is maybe, I I, I run into this a lot with social stuff. And this is actually, if we want to come back to this, this is actually a really good example of a place where I have gotten better at this, and it's made a huge difference. But, you know, I I have a, a family, a small family, and the amount of time that I have to just go do whatever is limited and should be even more limited. The, the opportunities that my wife has to go out and be a whole human woman uh, are, are so scant. And she's just amazingly tolerant uh, about about how little of that time she still gets. It's just it makes me incredibly uncomfortable that when somebody says, "Hey, not uncomfortable," but somebody says, "Hey, do you want to come and get a drink tonight?" And it's somebody I really like a lot, and I'd like to go, but like, I no, I can't get a drink, and I can't do it tonight. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's a no that I have to say, not just because I feel guilty, um, but just because like I, I can't have that many nights in my life that I'm not there with my kid. Sure. But I still struggle with it constantly. Um, as far as like how that affects work stuff, um, I'm in a mode right now where so social social like meet space stuff I've gotten better about social telephone stuff right now, which I really actually secretly weirdly in actual my actual Merlin Man heart actually enjoy. I'm way overextended on doing stuff like podcasts, doing stuff like phone calls. I'm way overextended. I spend way too much time talking every day as anyone can tell you. And I'm really struggling with it because I enjoy it. I've got people that I've met on the internet that I talk with about every six weeks and, but I can't keep it up anymore. And, and I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say like, I can't do this as often. You know what I mean? In the case of the meat space stuff, uh, I've finally just had to say to people, they say, I'll be in town. Do you want to get a coffee? And I'll say, yeah, if you can come out to my neighborhood, we can have coffee. But I can't go somewhere and have coffee with you. That is a self-involvement that I have to own because that is literally half a day for me. 
by the time I'm done going downtown and coming home and everything, it's past noon, right? Do you, do you know what I mean? Or what do I yeah. do? I do it in the afternoon, and then I don't get to see my kid in the afternoon. That's so self-involved, especially to everybody but me. But that kind of saying no, if I don't do that, I don't know if you've ever like gained or lost a lot of weight, Brett. But like for me, I lost th- I, I lost thirty pounds uh, about ten years ago and kept it off. I used to weigh almost two hundred pounds. Um, <laughs> I did my did my dishes in the bathtub, and I <laughs> had a heroin habit. But um, no, I uh, no, but truly, I. Uh, I, I, I cut that out. <laughs> I, but when I lost that weight, like potato chips got less appealing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I liked feeling good a lot more than potato chips. And it doesn't take a, more than a few potato chips to drop your guard and suddenly you're a potato chip guy again. And that's why, to re- circle back to something 35 minutes ago that you said, that's why the, learning to say no part is so complicated. It, it isn't a matter of getting better at it. It's a matter of staying not sucky at it, which nobody does. We all have good days and bad days. And you don't feel that pain until the day where you go, uh-oh, I've got six phone calls today and a thing that's late because I was procrastinating. And that's when you go into this, at least for me, that's when I go into this whole like, ah, swap the decks, cancel everything. And I go dark, which is no fun because I like talking with people. I like posting things on the internet. I like reading things. I like being engaged. I like having calls. I just can't have all the calls. And I have to re-realize that every four to 16 weeks. So you don't like going dark once in a while? Um, well, there's all kinds of things I love going dark about. There's a lot of things in my life that I have made decisions about that are going to be very controversial with different people. Uh, and I'm not only okay doing that, but I'm okay making fun of people who don't do that. And that's <laughs> a value in my life that other people are just going to have to be sad about on their own. There's all kinds of stuff like that that I'm just so okay with. But then there's other kinds of stuff where, you know, and one of my reasons that I'm okay making fun of that stuff is a lot of it's BS. It's make-believe relationships. It's make-believe care. It's make-believe engagement. And if you don't think so, you're lying to yourself. I like having real stuff with real people. Um, and I'm not trying to sound fancy, but, like, if I spend all of my time worrying about something, making my icon green for, uh, uh, for Tehran, or I decide that, like, some celebrity death means I should go into, into public at-response mourning for three days, like, I can't do that because then I don't get to do the cool stuff. I end up serving this ephemeral market of people who demand that I feel strongly about something with them for 36 hours. That's a whole domain of the Internet that I love being 45 about. But the problem for me is an example I used in the abortive book that I still believe. If somebody sends you an invitation to come to a Christmas party on December 12th at 7 o'clock Eastern time, and it's your best friend, you'll go. Well, And what happens if somebody who lives down the block sends you the same invitation, 7 o'clock, different party? You might say yes. Well, what if 190 people send you invitations for all over the world at exactly the same time on the same night? Well, Unless you're bananas, you would have to accept that I can only go to maybe three of those, but I'll have the most fun if I pick my favorite, yeah. right? It's so goddamn easy to look at that, you know, from a remove and say, well, obviously, you're not insane. You can't go to 190 gajillion parties. You can only really go to one, maybe two. If you got a limo, you could do three. But really, go have fun at one. Enjoy yourself, right? I think that's perfect. So few of us take that incredibly obvious example and apply it in life and then don't feel bad about having applied it. You can only do one thing really well at a time. Um, 
you know, it's a focus to me is not like having a clean desk. Focus to me is devoting 100% of my attention to, in this case, talking to Brett. I'm sitting here, I'm holding a pencil, I'm talking to you, and I feel great about it. Like, I, I, if I were sitting here and worrying about 10 other podcasts I had, pocket, I had scheduled at the same time, I'd be a sad man. So, that, I don't know, that's uh, being a little melodramatic, but that's become a value to me, is that, like, on the days that I get it right and am a B-plus human, I'm, I'm not only um, saying no to things... I'm not only saying it with confidence, but I'm saying it with the fire that I can't do other cool stuff if I try to do everything. I can't really do cool stuff if I try to do more than one cool thing at a time. I end up totally eating the booger. So to me, that's the value. I can't go to every party. I can't do everything. I can't have every argument. I can't care about everything you care about at the same time you care about it, and I probably won't. And that's made my life 100 times better. I don't – I miss a lot of things on the internet. I don't follow – uh, a lot of media stuff closely, but I would like to say that your satirical look at your minimalist desk, <laughs> one of my favorite pieces in the last year or two. I totally get the minimalism thing. I, I used to count myself amongst the ranks, but uh, setting aside that analogy about the table, um, you know what? I, I, I just, I can't have another not internet fight with people about this, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's silly. I think it's a dead end. I, I don't see where you go 20 years from now being someone who's obsessed with minimalism. I just don't well, understand. I think, I think the, the dining room table is, is extremely valid when it comes to your mental state and maybe even your, uh, note organization state on your computer. Right. But when it comes to my actual workspace, it all goes out the window, and that's one of those things that I've learned to accept and maybe even leverage. Well, I, I, I wish I could send you a photo of my desk right now because it is, it is probably to most appearances extremely messy. Uh, it's not squalid like it's been in the past, but I mean, just as one example, I've got some stuff I love on my desk. I've got a cool little Buddha right here. Let me see. I've got, uh, I've got Gil from The Simpsons. And I got this totally awesome X-Men uh, Phoenix. Mm, she's soft. Somebody sent me. I got some scissors. I got my iPad. You know what I've got? I've got so many of these index cards on my desk. But you know what? There are three piles of these incredibly messy index cards on my desk. There's a whole bunch that I've written on that I'll probably just go throw in a cigar box because I have a funny, weird superstition. I keep them. Uh, there's a, probably about a dozen that I know are things I'm working on right now or need to do something with. And there's a big pile of blank ones. And it looks so messy, but I understand it completely. Um, there's a lot to be said for having a very clean garage if you're somebody who fixes cars. <laughs> uh, there's a lot to be said for having a very tidy medical bag if you're a doctor. <laughs> That's very important. That all matters a lot. But, but whatever it is that you do, the answer to, in my opinion and in my experience, and I started a big part of this industry, so I have some confidence <laughs> in saying this, the, the, the path to being a really good human does not go over a clean desk. It goes over excellent output. And if that clean desk is helping you to make the great output, then kudos. But if you become so obsessed with – it starts out with being obsessed about like the stuff's not minimalist enough. So then you, you start minimizing more. And then once you're minimized enough, then you got to keep it minimized. And then it seems to me that a lot of people spend a lot of their time after they're minimal defending minimalism. Mm-hmm. which that's just my opinion. That's my point of view. It's easy for me to take that pot shot and I'm okay with that. Um, but like, why don't you worry less about whether you're being minimal and why don't you worry more about making something awesome? And I will say that I, I love seeing people's minimalist desks. I read minimal Mac, Patrick Rohn's blog and, and I love they're, they're gorgeous. Why do me. you, why do you, why do you like that? 
as I, an, like an art piece. Yeah, exactly. As an art piece. Like I don't. Has anyone has anyone ever that? has anybody ever been frustrated to the brink of figuring something out in their life at a desk like that? I don't know. Well, who who's working? Why are there never people in those photos, Brett? <laughs> That's a very good question. Very valid. There's not. There's not. There's not. There's art. not a single. There's not a single item of. Uh, so, there's not a single thing happening at that on that desk that makes makes me feel like that person is excited about their goddamn life. It looks like Cerebro. <laughs> it looks like you walk up and put on a special hat and then try to find mutants. Like, I don't understand what you do at a desk like that. If that makes you happy, that's great, but I just don't understand those galleries. It just seems I, so weird to me. See, when I look at, uh, like, Living Room, uh, like Architectural Magazine and whatnot, I, I right. love my favorite ones are just white rooms with black furniture. Because and it's aspirational for you? No. And that's the thing is my, my living room never has, never will, and I don't necessarily want it to look like that. But right. I, I, I find them uh, intriguing aesthetically. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being dramatic here because, because that's just how I am. But I, I want to just underscore, I can't say this enough, and it's so sad that this matters for me to say this. So sad. Uh, you should do whatever makes you happy and not worry about what I think. That's step zero. Just stop caring what I think and go do your thing. Uh, I'm going to have my opinions whether you like it or not, whether it comports with you that or for not. Years. Yeah, and so we all need to get super okay with that and then <laughs> and not have to write a sad blog post about it. Like, just deal. Um, but, but in my case, I totally get that. And here's the thing for me. Whatever is a barrier for you, you've got to move out of the way. You've got to figure out when something is a barrier. Like, there's so many steps in this. There's so many layers in this stack. But if you've got a barrier, get it out of the way. In my case, a lot of that was worrying about my productivity system. To be honest, again, this wraps right back to, to why you're so swell. To me, is like uh, having a place like NV Alt is like where stuff goes. I know that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing – I hate that. That's a terrible verb. Um, I'm feeling a lot of friction right now um, with moving to Sublime Text. I'm, I'm noticing that I'm using a text editor, and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> That's become a kind of resistance, but it's a, it's a necessary resistance. Now, now, let me just be clear here. If I, if, my, if I get to the point where there's a lot of junk on my desk, I can't see – if it's becoming a, as they say, distraction because there's so much stuff there, it's not really the messiness that bothers me. It's the fact that there are unresolved things there that have started to drive me crazy. It's the lack of resolution that gets me. It's not the cleanliness. So just for myself, sometimes I do need to – I'll tell you what I do. This is this is – Boy, this is whatever the opposite of minimalism is, I guess, reality. I grab everything off my desk and throw it in a literal box. And then if I need anything from that box, I take it out. And that's if my that box sits around for so long, you probably just get rid of the box. That's an, that's an old trick that I really believe in. I think I read about that in Martha Stewart. But if you've got stuff that you've been accumulating, throw it all in a giant contractor bag. Um, seal it. I'd wrap duct tape around it. Um, and then uh, – no, seriously. It's important that it not be openable and not be fiddleable. And then you go give yourself – so you give it some kind of a marker. You know, you could put a number on it or a something, something identifying – you go back to your computer, give yourself a to-do for six months or a year. If you have not opened that thing <laughs> in six months or a year, you don't even open it. You just throw it away. Yep. That's it. That's, I've, I've been doing that as well. I do that with my index cards, too. I, I, I use index cards almost exactly the same way you do, and I, I used to store them uh, for years. Now, there, I have a one-year, I have a box uh, with index cards, and if I haven't referenced them at all after a year... 
they go in the garbage. I could throw too. all of them away and it wouldn't matter. I just I think it's kind of funny. I I do this podcast called Roderick on the Line where I, I use more index cards than any other thing that I do because John Roderick is always saying so many funny things. I like having those around. To be honest, when people come and visit me here at the office, if they if they're a, a, a fan of a certain property, uh, 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 to be honest, just being honest, I'll just give them a handful of cards from that show. And nice. it's it's a nice thing for people to have. It's a nice little artifact. And I'm happy to do it. I'm not attached to them, but but they're fun to have. So, I mean, it's it's so pathetic to be 45 and feeling the need to say this, but everybody should do what they think they need to do. I mean, boy, that, that I don't know. I don't know what else to say besides that. But you know, I I don't know. Now I sound all cranky, but I think I think it's a shame that we can't accept that there are are times that we're just going to disagree about stuff in the world, and that that doesn't have to be resolved, and it doesn't even need to be argued. It just needs to be accepted. That has been a major... Uh, I, I learned that in my relationship with my wife. Happy anniversary, Aditi. That's today. Oh, happy anniversary. Actually, by the time this airs, it will be yesterday. But yeah. Um, but happy, happy belated anniversary. <laughs> I used to be the guy that had to talk out everything as it happened. Uh, and learning to just agree to disagree or, or give things time let things work out has been has been invaluable in my relationship and has taught me to do the same thing on the internet in my work dealings etc i think that's i think that's maybe the tip of the day right there yeah is that we don't all have to agree on everything i said something on twitter a while back <clears throat> i guess now 2 years ago um i'm going to say this word but be prepared to bleep it uh, theory colon, as long as strangers hold the power to affect your m- mood, you are deeply and fundamentally f- And um, I, I think, happen to think that's really true. As soon as strangers have the ability to control your mood, uh, it's game over. There will be days when strangers control your mood, but if there's, any, if there's anything that, that you could do to improve your relationships with the world a little more, it's to take that power away from other people, which means doesn't mean you're taking the power away from them. Ultimately, it means that you're going to develop um, not simply the ability to walk away from it and not simply the ability to not be bothered with it, but to get to that really advanced state where you're sitting on the mountain, it's where you don't even mind that they said it. Because that's just an opinion, and opinions never hurt. Um, What does this have to do with what what we're talking about? Well, this is stuff I consider values because it does end up affecting lots of other things. The decisions about what I want to make are going to be heavily affected if I overthink whether somebody's going to like it. Um, the, um, the, the ability to say no to strangers and friends alike is going to be heavily affected by whether I'm worrying about you know, all of these meta-relationship things. I'm essentially, I end up infantilizing people. or You end up having this paternalistic attitude about what you think people think. And that is a quick, quick, quick road to crazy. And it's a road to crazy that a lot of people are walking down today and thinking that it's keeping them engaged. And I, I just think that's, I think that's a miserable way to live. And when I feel myself slipping into that, I understand that I've got to turn away things that are not high value. I've got to, you know, I wrote that thing better a few years ago, which is this kind of essay that I, I, I kind of return to sometimes as a statement of purpose, which, you know, includes things like trying to turn away low yield BS and trying to focus on a small group of people. There's these certain things I always end up coming back to. I end up having to work hard on something. I end up having to be humbled by the world. There's always this, there's this gravity to life that like, you have to embrace because otherwise it will just hug you real hard. 
and, uh, and and learning to accept those things on a more regular basis and then get in front of them rather than waiting for them to be visited upon you makes such a big difference in what you do. A hug is just a strangle you haven't finished. <laughs> and uh, that was good. That was really that good. That was the bloggist to give full credit. <laughs> um, I, I need to break for one more sponsor and then I want to mm-hmm. get down to some nerdiness. Um, yeah. You mentioned Sublime Text. I'd love to go back to that for a minute. Um, our second sponsor today is igloosoftware.com. Igloo is your digital workplace, and that means you can give updates, have discussions, and share files with your team all in one place. So how does this help you at work? You can keep on task without worrying about giving your team, your manager, your manager's manager, etc. updates on what you're working on. It's all there inside your team blog. You can see if someone's messing with your brand or your process. Using the activity stream, you can actually see what files people are creating, what they're sharing with each other or with clients. You can share links, have discussions with your team, and document all of your processes. Processes. Um, You can enforce them, too, with things like built-in content moderation. If you're always shaking your fist at your inbox, you can get some relief when you collaborate on documents. You don't have to email 50 versions back and forth, and comments are included in line with the document. The latest version is in the same spot as the first version. You can even go back in time if you make a mistake. Everything is right there. It doesn't matter if you're inside or outside of firewall, it's all secure, and SSL is available. Another great thing about Igloo is this concept of channels, like hashtags, built throughout its platform. You can subscribe to these and get notifications for new content. So if you're in marketing, but you want to keep up to date with on the development team's blog, you just follow it. You can even follow content for things like your internal product roadmaps to see what changes were made or if there's a discussion about a feature. There are controls so that you don't get bombarded by notifications. You can get a daily, weekly, or monthly summary about what's happening in a channel or with a document. It all helps you keep connected with work going on that could be hundreds of miles away from you, those sort of serendipitous things like when you walk past someone's cubicle and see what they're working on. You can even make a corporate intranet for your team and a customer community for your clients, keeping your private information separated, but still retaining one interface for your team to use. Sure, it all sounds fancy, but it's still affordable. Pricing starts at just $99 a month for a team of up to 25 people. I'll give you Merlin's link since he's here. Uh, Go to (laughs) igloosoftware.com slash B2W, and you could win a soda stream. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial with no commitment or credit card. Forgive my jumping in. Can I give you an updated URL for that? I'm actually you, done. So yeah, go for it. Ready for the new one? Yes. Try igloosoftware.com slash xman. One word. X-M-A-N-N. This is their new uh, offer. X-M-A-N-N. And I'll I've make been wor- sure that makes I've been working. I've been working with Marco at... Uh, so if y'all visit that in your browser, you'll see uh, uh, the Igloo Giant Size X-Man bundle. And I've worked uh, closely with, with Marco with a K at Igloo, and we're giving away a whole bunch of uh, X-Men comic books and uh, some little special things. Is this and, in lieu of a soda stream? Is, yeah, this, this time around, on, uh, at least when I'm back to work, it's the, it's, uh, this time they're giving away the X-Men bundle. One person uh, will receive a, a very special, handpicked by Merlin, the X-Men um, comic books and uh, action figures. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's a pretty good gig, huh? It's a it's a neat product. I've been working with them to do some more stuff, and uh, we're looking at maybe. Uh, I, I've been looking at it as something we can use maybe a little bit of five by five. It's it's a it's it's really neat stuff. There are a lot of great workspaces. I haven't tried Igloo. Um, I'm very intrigued by it. Uh, I'm using Asana right now for similar things, but it doesn't have all of the uh, the wiki kind of document creation and everything. It sounds mm-hmm. pretty cool. 
Yeah. Got, you got to remove, got to remove all that, uh, what they call friction. Friction. Mm. So, okay. You don't, you don't switch tools very often. You were a TextMate user for a long time. Yeah. Uh, since whatever, 2005, 2006. And, uh, and you've recently started moving to Sublime Text as have I. I mean, call, calling me, calling me a fan of TextMate would be like calling Julia Child a fan of kitchens. It's like where I did everything. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 been where I did everything, and I've I, I ran it about this a lot on the last back to work. But I held on for a really long time, not for any particular reason, but just because it's not for any reason logical reason of oh, I imagine it'll get fixed or it'll you know. It was just more like like I I will use this until I can't, right? And now I'm starting to feel like yeah, all right, it's I don't think this is going to be a thing. So yeah, I'm really swimming right now in uh, in Sublime Text. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to um, swim. I'm, I'm treading water, perhaps, better put. Well, Sublime Text has has removed a lot of the uh, missing, I should say, it has filled in a lot of the gaps that TextMate had uh, that Alan would, you know, argue for his, his, his reasoning, and, and usually with valid, very valid arguments. Um, but there were still things that a lot of end users still wanted uh, let's take the undo system, for example. Mm. Um, and Sublime has kind of taken all of those years of user feedback, uh, <laughs> I assume on Sublime Text 1, which I never used, and um, and the from the TextMate community and kind of made something that is as extensible as TextMate with a huge API for, you know, creating bundles, and they call them packages in Sublime. Um, but... Uh, do you think that uh, it is going to be the TextMate of the next five years? Yes. Yeah, me too. I've never seen Undo work the way that it worked in TextMate. If there was ever anything that ever undid one character at a time, I was lucky enough to never have to see it. It drove me crazy for years. They get that. They get that making the package thing should be easier. You shouldn't need a bundle editor as an add-on. But, you know, in fairness to Alan, though, Alan is the Alan is the uh, Tom Worman of that project. I mean, that's we're benefiting from lots of years of people watching and waiting for something different to happen. Um, but that's the funny. Here's the really funny part about uh, Sublime Text is, in some ways, I feel like it's 2005 again, because <clears throat> in the same way that, for example, TextMate's preferences, I think, started out as either non-existent or like a, a P-list type thing. Or I, I don't, anyway, it used to be super duper hard to do your preferences in TextMate. And now it's not only difficult to do in Sublime Text, but it's incredibly confusing, and there are so many options. Do you find that? See, I, I, and I've heard it from other people. I love the P-list uh, approach to preferences because it is so flexible and so powerful and so Re- easy. You mean rather rather than JSON? No, as uh, no, I didn't. I meant JSON. Uh, I mean, as opposed to a graphical interface, because it's all it's all laid bare, like a like a bash profile. Almost. And I think for a lot of people who use, you know, who, coders, developers, I think it makes I think it makes pretty good sense. I can see someday all of that being brought into a, an interface, but it means that you can have all of your plugin preferences and everything in a user preferences file. And you can you can add your own preferences, and it's it's just so extensible. It, it, it is, but it's the same. I mean, this is just as this is the the problem with being a pseudo geek and not a real geek is that it is very much like my Bash profile, where it's very hard for me to understand things like precedence. It's hard for me to understand what all my options are, and it's hard for me to understand that when I make this one decision this one way, 
it can bork all this other stuff and I'll never know why without basically starting over. If I get my path wrong, and this is just my own own problem, if I had any sense, I would just stay out of the preferences and just go try to learn it as is. But, you know, part of what's going to make this less painful for me is being able to at least bend into my will a little bit. But just like I spent like half an hour yesterday just trying to learn how to change a key binding, you know, and I was getting really conflicting information based on other platforms, and I finally figured it out. But it's, I still haven't figured out how to make it work exactly the way I liked in TextMate, so, which tells me I should just let go of it. You know what I mean? But, you know, just the fact that there's like a default and a user for option for pretty much, it seems like almost everything. Yeah. Uh, not everything. But, I mean, well, by yeah, design, though. I, I'll get it. I'll get it eventually. But, like, my bash profile is such a mess. Oh, my God. It's kind of like uh, in TextMate you had um, the pristine packages – yeah, and you had the user packages, and you had packages uh, back in one point five. You had packages in, um, in your user library folder and in the application support folder. Right, and it got confusing. It like it, like you said, precedence got it got confusing, and I can see that in Sublime as well. But uh, you know, I, the thing is, I will get two things will happen. I think uh, I will get I will get um, I will get used to it, and 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 it will get better. As it, as it you know almost invariably does, I think the I think the momentum behind this is really going to pick up fast. And uh, something the, I something I said the number before, of new packages coming out is really impressive. Yeah, and you can just load them right up, you know, from from right inside the package uh, control thing. It's it's amazing. But I mean, everybody everybody who's a nerd knows this, but it's something I'm really starting to accept, which is the vitality of any community around really around anything, but especially around technology. Um, is is going to be can be measured by how many people are actively contributing and making things for that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and I think you're going to see more and more people like you, hopefully like Subtle Gradient, people whose stuff I love on TextMate, Dr. Drang, hopefully see them moving over more and more, um, bringing their magic over. Are you going to do Blocksmith Blogging Bundle? for? I'm uh, working on it, yeah. No kidding. Um, wow, the, I, the I missed biggest... that already. <laughs> Me too. Like my... I mostly what I've been working on is making the Blogsmith blogging bundle features available uh, as services and things, but that's not as good as having it uh, natively in your text editor of choice. <laughs> I've got so. your stuff in so many places. I'm, I'm like <laughs> stepping on things, and then for some reason I'll break something like the service for Control U for uh, uppercase suddenly stops working. I don't know why it'll work here and it won't work there. Oh, it, do you have the key binding, or do you have that assigned to a service? Uh, it's assigned to, I think you're from the marked, uh, is it the marked the service markdown, pack? Markdown service tools? Yeah, service tools. I don't know, but you're in so many places, it's completely I know, baffling. even I lose track. Yeah, but I mean, this, here's the thing, I think I'm going to go with you. I think you're going to be my <laughs> new Sublime Text. However you do it is how I will do it, because <laughs> <laughs> you're a horse that I can trust to get me to the next town. <laughs> well, as soon as I get uh, a good, firm grasp on all the Python syntax, I'll be porting over a lot of the Ruby stuff from the bundle. Is that right? Yeah. Well, because Sublime only, you can only extend it using Python. And that's one thing I wish would change because I just have years of comfortability with Ruby. You you mean like, hmm, you know what? This is going to be really boring. But um, I I could talk about this all day. I'm excited about it, though. I mean, you know, 
I, I just have to be careful as a as a reformed fiddler. I, I have to be careful. I think I think minimalism is sometimes what happens to people who are fiddlers. Is that is the only way that they can get up the off the uh, off the alcohol and drugs is to never touch it again. I think that's what that clean desk is for some people. And and in my case, I have learned that I have to really mitigate against getting super involved in that. I have to watch out for the binge drinking of productivity fiddling. Boy, that's a lot of analogies. Um, but but no, for sure. And that's why right now my alarm bells are going off because I see myself sitting there creating a new folder in Chrome to do things like, you know, bookmark your wonderful posts about, about sublime uh, text. But yeah, I'm excited about it. See, it'll, it'll work out. You just, you just have to sit back and let me, a full-blown, like, non-repentant junkie for... <laughs> For fiddling with this stuff, just let you know, let me do it, and then I'll uh, I'll give you the results. I, I'm totally into it. I, I will just sit back. I will sit back, and I will type. I will, um, you know, I'll try to figure out what the difference between markdown and multi markdown and markdown perfect. And uh, you know what? Moving on. <laughs> we have a whole show coming up about that. Um, but yeah, let let me uh, let me hit our last sponsor, and then we'll get down to our three top picks for the week. Love it. Um, our last sponsor of the day is SourceBits.com. SourceBits is a mobile app development house that helps you develop and design your next application or game and instantly puts over 300 dedicated programmers and interface designers behind your project full-time. They stand behind the idea that when you focus on brilliant design, your product becomes your marketing and your customers become your advertising iPhone, iPad, Android, BlackBerry, Facebook, and the web are just a few of the platforms that their engineers will work with you to create a feature-rich, rock-solid application that generates incredible user loyalty. SourceBits has developed more than 500 applications for multiple mobile, web, desktop platforms, and with 20 of them reaching the top 10 in global application marketplaces. They understand how to apply brilliant design to turn your idea into a successful app in today's markets. SourceBits helps build your application by starting with an end-to-end product strategy. Their engineers and designers can take your app from a sketch on a napkin to a fully deployed, functioning, and successful live product. SourceBits reduces your costs and gets your product to market more quickly with highly efficient, agile product development processes, which they've fine-tuned over the years of interactions with clients. Your projects will be managed every step of the way by a dedicated project partner who can tap multiple design and development centers all over the world. Join forces with SourceBits and bring your consumer app vision to reality today by visiting SourceBits.com. 500 is a lot of applications. 500 is a ton of applications. Yeah. Anyway, um, do you want to start or should I with uh, three top picks for the week? Mm, Either way, you can start. I'll start. I should start. Um, I'm your guest. You should start. You're my guest. I'm just realizing. I should. I. You know. I'm. I'm. I'm your guest. I should probably. Start. Absolutely. You should go first. <laughs> I don't really have an opinion. I was just kidding. Yeah. I, I learned about this app from. Um, I've heard about it before, but I just heard about Marco talk about it. I guess it's called Solver. Um, S-O-U-L-V-E-R, and it's almost impossible to explain. So I, I will just barely try. Uh, it's an app where you. Uh, it's a calculator on some level, right? Would you say it's, it has operations, yes. it has variables, but it's the way that it's designed is really cool. If you can imagine, almost in the old days of having a ten key, where you've got sort of what you're typing on the left, and then what it, you know, how it turns out on the right. You've got to really see this to understand it. But if I type in there, for example, um, seven hundred dollars, like dollar sign seven hundred plus dollar sign two hundred, it'll say nine hundred in in the right rail. 
If I say if I I can say, but I, then I can also say things like like rent equals uh, one hundred dollars, and then rent becomes a variable that I can use again. It's a lot like solving for a cell. You know, it's like solving inside of Excel. <laughs> Boy, that's a lot of words that sound the same. If you ever try to solve around a certain value in in Excel, it's kind of like that, but it's very lightweight. Marker uses it for stuff like keeping score in games. Um, I think it's fantastic. Like I, I'm finding uses for it. I always know an application's good if I find myself wanting to have a reason to use it. And it has, uh, I guess, iCloud syncing. So now your documents can go between your Mac and your iOS devices. Um, and it's available on both, right? That's correct. I'm, a ha- I'm one of my Macs is having trouble opening them, but I think that's probably a an error on my end. But um, <clears throat> but it does work. Uh, it, it, I use it a lot on iOS just for quick thumbnail sketches of stuff. But it's even it has a really interesting interface on iOS. But I, I really really like it on the desktop. And interesting note about it, yeah. Uh, not the most practical application, but it can also handle like plain text. Like you can actually write like uh, like word problems out, and it'll pick the numbers out and give you solutions. And then you can reference previous lines and everything. You know, this is the. I'll, I'll just mention something super quick here. Anytime I, I'm not great with numbers, never have been. It's not not my wheelhouse. But uh, but uh, for example, there's a lot of things where if it's something I can really just deal with with three lines, I'll do it in TextMate, and I'll just write down like when I, we got our car fixed recently, and all I did was make three lines in uh, TextMate because I had a rough idea. Three three numbers of either two or three digit numbers I can add up. No problem. Uh, if it gets to be more than that with money, I use I. To be honest, I use Omni uh, Outliner because Omni Outliner has a summary function that's really great. If all I'm doing is adding up a budget, like money in and money out for the month, I use Omni Outliner. Do you know what I'm talking about? You create a new column in Omni. Yeah, so in Omni Outliner, let's say um, I go in and I create. You know, it's obviously it's an outliner. You have nesting. I might have one called money in, and so I'll say like uh, you know back to work podcast uh, seven dollars. And then, um, like, like rent, I'll say I'll have, like, under expenses, right? I'll say to pay, I'll say, you know, rent uh, minus $7. And you can set a column to be, you know, numerical, and you can even, in fact, set it to be money. And then when you hoist up, well, even when you don't hoist up, whatever is a child of a given parent, that's included in that tally, at the level. Oh. So at the level of money going out, I can, I can hoist that and see everything that was under there. And I can, I can then. You're seeing where, I, where where you go with this. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. a very great, very. So anyway, you do that mainly by just creating a new column. <clears throat> it's a great fast way to do it. If I need more than that, because I need to do things like not just simply add, then I go into something like Sol- Solver because that gives me flexibility. I would rather just be dealing with text if I can. And I have nothing against Excel or Numbers. I think Excel is one of the greatest programs ever made. Um, but then if I have to, I will eventually go – if I'm doing more sophisticated guesstimates of stuff, I'm trying to estimate what a job will cost. I always guess it at three to five different levels and then pick the one that feels right. And that's way easiest to do um, in something like Numbers. Boy, I'm sorry. That was a derail. But, but, but to me, it's a good case, good uh, use or a good instance of the life hack stuff. Like I always use the simplest tool that I can. Like if I can pop the back of this thing open with a dime, I will do that. If I can pop the back of this thing open with the Leatherman, I'll use that. If, if I can't use the dime. If the Leatherman doesn't work, I'll go get a screwdriver and so on and so on and so on. But I'll always use the easiest tool that I can. You know what I mean? Because then yeah. – so that's – anyway, that Omni uh, Outliner trick is actually pretty great. That is really cool. I'm going to have to play with that. So that's mine. My, my pick number one is Silver. Um, my first pick is on the Mac. It's an app called Bartender. 
And uh, what it does is let you move items out of your menu bar, uh, things like your calendar, your time, you know, whatever third-party applications you have running up there, into a secondary menu bar that you can hide. Ooh. And on my MacBook Air, that's a lifesaver because <gasps> I, I run a lot of apps, and a lot of them have menu bar icons, and I prefer to have them in my menu bar over having them in my dock. And with uh, Bartender, I now only have five icons showing in my menu bar when I'm using my computer. And then everything else, especially items that don't necessarily have alerts or anything, um, they reside in a secondary menu bar. And it cleans things up, makes things really pretty. And as of recent versions, it can even move system icons. And I absolutely love it. This looks fantastic. Oh, I'm getting this right now because I, um, yeah, yeah, you're you're totally right, and and um, but there's some you know this because you are a, a prominent Mac blogger, but you can pull command drag, I think almost all of the Apple menu items, most or of the menu yeah. extras, almost all of them out, and you can drag I think none, <laughs> the non-Apple items. And I've seen, I believe I've seen apps that will let you scoot the order around, but I, they, I believe it's in the order of launch from right well, to left. Yeah, the third-party stuff, you can't uh, move by default. Oh, but there was one that was murder. Um, it wasn't ScreenFlow, but it was something I was using a lot. And when I, it might have been ScreenFlow. Nah, it wouldn't have been ScreenFlow. But it was, oh, it was something, though, that was extremely hard to get to, even via something like LaunchBar. And I would have to go find an app that didn't have many menus in it to be able to get to it because I'd reduce my screen resolution. Yeah. Wow, nice pick. Mac Bartender. I like that. Uh, my, my second pick is uh, TweetBot for iOS and OS X. Uh, and, and for as long as, for lo- as, long as Twitter will uh, let people make cool things, continue to make the kinds of cool things that made uh, Twitter interesting in the first place, he said smugly, uh, I, I really recommend TweetBot. Um, it's, it's especially on iOS. It's by TapBots. It's uh, and the Cranky Paul guy makes it, and he, he's a genius. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like or don't like TapBot apps. They're very unusual looking. The functionality of TweetBot is, to my mind, unparalleled. Uh, it's it's really easy to handle multiple accounts. It's great at uh, having multiple gestures per toot that make it really easy to do things like start or favorite or, or what have you. Um, and uh, two things that, that I think are, are, if not unique, very well done at least about TweetBot. One is syncing. Um, I think almost all of your settings, as far as I know, as far as the things that you want to do with an account get synced between iOS devices. And I'm told... Uh, soon enough with the OS X version that is in alpha right now. And uh, one of my favorite features right now is, uh, and this is very controversial, but suck a nut, um, filtering. Uh, TweetBot is very good at giving you you the ability to filter things. Uh, Best example, if you just don't want to hear about South by Southwest for one week in March or whenever that is, you just add the hashtag SXSW and say, for a week, don't show me that, or for a month, or for a year, or forever. Like, if you never want to see anything with the word iPad in it again, you can do that. I've got Romney. I've got Election. I've got a lot of these. I just don't want to hear about it. And having that sync all the way across, um, our pal our pal Justin, Justin Williams, at Justin, um, has recently uh, put some stuff on GitHub with reg- regex filters that will let you do uh, get rid of annoyances. Um, and anyway, I just think it's, I think it's a great app and I would love for you to support Cranky Paul because they, uh, they're doing great work, uh, and I, I'd like to see them make what they can off of it. And it is, to my mind, far and away the best, uh, 
Twitter experience for the way my brain works. What do you use for the toots, Brett Terpstra? Um, I I kind of flip around a lot. Mm-hmm. I have actually been using the Mac Beta Alpha. I don't remember what they're calling it uh, of Tweetbot on uh, the desktop. On my iPhone, I'm currently using. Um, oh yeah, Tweetbot. Look at that. Seriously, Tweet, tweet Tweetbot's got got some real neat features on the desktop. Um, my, my I God, I hope this app is still being developed. It hasn't seen an update in several months. Habari, um, yeah. it, which which has similar filtering, not quite as sexy. There's a lot about Habari that's very limited. It's got a it's real kind of not pretty either. It's not, you can you can go in and hack the CSS. There's a trick to that. <laughs> There's actually is a, a CSS. I hacked the CSS Hitler. a little bit, but it um but but it's really great at blocking and it does stuff as simple as command backspace and you just don't see that tweet. Like, that sounds so stupid, but there's times where I'm like, I don't want to go block that person, but they're still an idiot, and I don't want to see that. I can just get rid of it. Um, save searches, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the muting, the muting is great, especially, I, I hope Tweetbot gets this if it doesn't have it already. You just select a word and right-click, and you never see anything with that word in it again. I have no idea why this is such a controversial thing to do. But there's just I just, there's just so much stuff I just don't need to hear about over and over and Tweetbot's great at that, and uh, I really, I really like Tapbot's work. I like Convertbot. I live by Pastebot. Pastebot has a coveted place in my, um, what do you call it? In the tray on iOS. What do they call that? Dock. Thank you. Hmm. Docking is that what it's called? I've docked. I so. I've docked. <laughs> I've docked. Could be wrong. Go to Urban Dictionary. I've, I've, <laughs> uh, I put it in my dock, uh, the Pastebot, because I really, really swear by that. Um, anyway, yeah, that's my number two. Uh, Tweetbot for all platforms or all places. It's great. And, uh, and I hope Twitter doesn't really screw things up. And Cranky Paul, as you call him, has agreed to be on Systematic. Uh, I ki- you know I kid. You know why I kid, Brett? I kid because I love. That's why I kid. Of course, I admire that guy's work a lot. I really do. I don't think he's any idea who I am, but I but I really like his work a lot. <laughs> well, we have a we have a tentative agreement for him to be on the show, so we'll we'll get his take on that. Is it your sense that he'll be cranky? I have no, I, I don't think so. I, I think it's that objective C. I think, object, I think it's the objective C. It makes people cranky. It's an N- NS view controller. Yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm, NS mm-hmm. mood controller. Mm-mm, that's pretty good. What's your second pick? <laughs> My second pick is task paper uh, mm-hmm. from Hogbay software. And I mentioned it earlier. It's been around for a while, uh, recently available on, well, not even so recently. It's been on iOS for a while as well. Uh, but basically, it's a completely plain text uh, task management system where you can keep uh, files as text files. You can view them in NVAlt. You can edit them in your text editor. But when you open them in task paper, they become full-featured to-do lists where you can use shortcut keys to check things off. You can add uh, as many tags as you want to, or you can you know keep things limited. But it has a great query syntax for uh, narrowing down projects and and tags and things like that um and i find it indispensable in my coding work i keep a task paper file in every project directory and sync it with git and uh and all of my ideas all of my bugs all of my feature requests everything goes into a task paper file and i can edit that from any device i can uh i can search it with spotlight i can edit it with grep and sed and awk on the command line Mm -hmm. And that it's it's a nerd's delight, but it's also extremely useful for anyone who just wants a simple task management system. That's that's it's a great pick, and I'm totally with you. It is it is such I, I just just as a use case for this, and you know. 
this is going to reveal me as being the kind of uh, desperate fiddler that I am, but <clears throat> if, I'm doing, if I'm doing stuff well, I am very lightly using OmniFocus to get stuff accomplished. Um, if, if I don't even have time to do anything at all, I'm in a straight-up text editor and I'm just typing stuff. But somewhere in between there, or I don't know if it's in between, but there's times where I feel like a certain, like, ugh, I don't even, I don't have time to go clean up OmniFocus. Not OmniFocus's fault. My fault, right? I don't have time to do a review or I don't have time to go clean that up because there really is stuff to do and I'm stressed. But I need a little bit more structure than a straight up just typing in a text file, text file. I go straight into task paper because it, it is a great way to like vent all of that fr- uh, frustration and anxiety into bullets. And then just it gives me just enough fiddliness with the, um, the little at context to, to just go, you know what? You know what it does for me? I'll tell you the truth, Brett. It makes me go, okay, I just wrote down 50 things. And there's this one I feel bad about that I know I'm not going to do. And there's these three that I could probably do today. And so I close it and go do it. But it's a, you're, I love the way you're using it. It's a great way to just dive in and not get too far from the work. You know what I mean? And it, it, is, it is almost like a notepad in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Yes. The way you use it, it sounds very much like the way somebody would use a, a, a classic to-do list on, on an index card or a notepad. Yeah, exactly. It's just um, it adds some more flexibility. Uh, awesome. Note for listeners uh, that venting frustration into bullets is not as dangerous as it sounds. Can I tell my third one? Yes, please do. And I've been using this a lot for these screencasts. Uh, ScreenFlow. I've used ScreenFlow in the past. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, what do they call it, a screencast app. Uh, it's... Uh, it is the best thing I have found for simultaneously capturing um, the output of your monitor, right? So it captures what's happening on your screen, the clicks, and so forth. And it also captures what's happening with a camera. So that camera could be on your MacBook Air. In my case, I'm on my old Mac Pro using an old Yucky Eyesight camera. But she, it starts out and just records these two tracks. There's you talking and stuff, and then there's your computer. Um, it's great, and then it has these actions where you could say, now move the video to this part or highlight this part or zoom in on this part. And and I've really used it rather lightly in the past, um, and I I never fully appreciated the ways that you can, the kind of neat stuff. It is really almost like a video editing app. Um, There are ways that it could be tweaked out a little bit more in my mind, but then I guess it either becomes a movie editing app or... (laughs) Or it gets you know to be too much, but I've really enjoyed using it. I've been using it under a lot of pressure the last few days, and really enjoying it. The ability to group together things from different swim lanes so you can drag them around—something I wish I could do in GarageBand. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. ScreenFlow by I think it's Telestream. I want to say is the name of the company. Yes. Uh, and well, if almost everybody I know who's doing screencasts, and they're almost all certainly prettier than mine, but uh, pretty much everybody I know is using. It. Have you ever used it? Oh, I use it daily. I love it. Is that, I love that daily? I love. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I use screencasts to explain a lot of things to people I work with and uh, and and converse with. I've used it uh, to show people um, uh, a mutual a mutual friend of uh, our shows and uh, world. I, I can promise you uses eCelerate for their fulfillment. And uh, uh, I, I was talking to the woman woman that we know. <laughs> at that place and she pointed me to the man we know at that place and I sent him a screencast of how incredibly frustrating it was from his point of view as a user to use this site. I'm sure Accelerate's great. I apologize if they're a sponsor. <laughs> but I find it extremely frustrating to use. And, uh, and I made a screencast where I was able to say, look, we, we can disagree on this but I'm just telling you this looks completely bananas to me. To show like replicating a bug, you just turn that thing on, hit it, go, boom, and send it. 
And now the exporting is great. I've been exporting as iPad. So I'll yeah. set my monitor. I was trying it at 2048 by whatever that would be, 15-something. But going with straight up 1024 by 768 uh, works. What do you use for resolution when you do a screencast? 1900, whatever. Really? Uh, not for for export. I just I do fifty percent of whatever my screen size is. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'm trying. I was talking to D Sparks about this because he's really great at these. But it's yeah, great. It's just... um, there's lots of stuff I could see wanting to add for automation. I think that's part of different things that company offers. They have like a five hundred dollar app called Episodes. It looks really good. I'm still Who, looking for Telestream a full... does. Yeah, yeah. They got a whole bunch of they got the enterprise stuff too. Wow, I haven't seen that. You should check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyhow, so there's a market out there for somebody to make an app that makes it easy to reuse assets with a podcast without having to like, you know what I mean? Don't you think to do like easy way to do post rolls and pre rolls, easy way to drop in? GarageBand is not perfectly suited for that, and yeah. and and Logic is way over my head. But <laughs> anyway, um, Screenflow by Telestream, it, it's really not it's not killing me to use it. That's your pull. <laughs> All right. Well, in my third one, and we won't have much time to discuss it because we Aww. are. Was that passive pretty, aggressive? Are you making fun of me? Not at all. Okay, please no. continue. I'm I'm actually pretty sad that we can't uh, go in, into more depth on this. Maybe I'll have to have you back soon. We got to start a new show, Terpster and stuff. We'll, we'll get out every, every every week. We'll cover all this stuff. Um, but my last pick is drafts mm-hmm. um, for iOS, and it uh, the reason it's my pick is not because of the current version, which is awesome. But because on Thursday of this week, uh, he will be releasing Drafts 2.0 and <gasps> Drafts for iPad. Oh, my God. And they are they're spectacular. Uh, the great just uh, kind of ways to get ideas and, and notes out of your head and then send them to wherever they need to go. So it doesn't become your you know replacement for Simple Note or Notes here, whatever you use. It becomes a place to quickly... Pop it up, write down an idea, and then when you have time to shoot it off to anything from OmniFocus, a Dropbox text file, day one, uh, there's a couple dozen send to options. Um, And there's open in for any application that can read a text file can also be used. Um, Definitely, I'm looking forward to that official release on Thursday. Man, now I am too. It's a great little app. It's um, it's scratching itch for me because I, I am, <clears throat> to the extent possible, I will do everything I can do in Nebulous Notes. Nebulous Notes is my well, formerly TextMate. I mean, I, I really, really like that app a lot. There's a couple things it doesn't do well. It's it's not great at um, finding things on Dropbox, or you know, it, it's frustrating in that way. And it's could be faster at creating a new note from scratch. And what you're describing with drafts is amazing. Uh, if you want to compose it too, you go in there and type it up, and then say send it to you know tweetbot like um launch center pro it's really good at knowing where stuff could go and sending it there very seamlessly so that's a fantastic pick and on thursday huh that's gonna be exciting yes thursday yeah. that's a good app uh, there's a surfeit of these new apps that are very lightweight text editors for capture and there's another one out there whose name i forget but um what was it called but i i that's i've i just in the last couple of days i've been playing around with drafts and it does markdown right Yes. Yeah, it's and it's it can, a really... You can email your markdown as HTML and everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah, good job, good pick. Hey, thanks. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there. It was really good to have you on Systematic why, why, today. Why do my podcasts keep getting so much longer? Everything I'm on, Brett, what is happening? Why do I, I get know. longer? What is it? It's... You talk a lot. Hmm, that's a good point. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Um, it's, it's great to talk to you. Um, 
I, I again, I'm sorry to just no, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Screw you. Um, I'm really you. grateful for all the stuff that you do. It's helped a lot of us nerds a lot. We kid, we say your name funny ways, but I hope you know that uh, what you're doing has helped a lot of us so much and every day. Like you, you're you're the reason for the season. So thanks for having I'm, me on the show. I'm not familiar with this way you say my name. How does that go? I, I couldn't remember. You'd have to ask. I don't. Yeah. I think Cheep. I'll ask. Cheep. I can't do it. Only Dan, Dan's the only one. And the way Dan does it, it's getting weirder and weirder. For a long time, it was Terpstra. And then it was, now it's like, Now it's a rocking chair sound. Yeah. He descends into this, into this like disturbing, like from a Japanese horror film kind of sound. Oh, With a saucerai girl in the closet or something. That's right, your new well, name. You're the saucerai girl in the closet. That's what I'm going to call you. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll put these in the show notes, but Merlin can be found as Hot Dogs Ladies Just on don't, Twitter. Just don't, don't, don't find me. Just don't find and me. And you can hear his podcast at uh, Back to Work and You Look Nice Today. I'll link both of those. And his Tumblr is at KungFuGrip.com, and that's Grip, G-R-I-P-P-E. Uh, we'll ask him about that whole thing later uh, on another show, I mean. And I'm T.T. Scoff on Twitter, and I blog at BrettTerpstra.com. And, uh, and you can check out the show notes for today's show at 5x5.tv slash systematic slash 6. And, uh, and I'll have links to just about everything we talked about today. So that's it for this episode. And thanks again, Merlin. And I will definitely have to have you back on so we can finish all these conversations. Anytime. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And I will be back in a week. Bye.